When Sue and I first got married, a a very great honour was granted unto me. Uh, As a sign of acceptance into their family, not only did Sue's parents entrust me with their precious daughter, Sue's dad also presented me with a priceless family heirloom. The Mackenzie family lawnmower was passed over into my safekeeping. It was a pretty emotional time, I tell you. Unfortunately, I could never get the rotten thing to start. Judging from the look of it, I reckon it was one of the first Victor mowers to ever roll off the production line and nothing I could ever do would get it to go. No matter how longingly I looked at it, no matter how long I sat in the house thinking, you know, this is the day, this is the day it's going to start, no matter how much positive thinking I could dwell up in my innermost soul, no no matter all of that, I could never get it to start. Now, I felt a bit guilty giving an heirloom back to Sue's dad, but at least now when I go out to mow the lawn, I know that the rover is going to spring into action on precisely the third pull of the cord every time. And it taught me a very valuable lesson. It taught me that trusting the untrustworthy is a heartbreaking exercise. Faith will only ever work when when the thing you are putting your faith in is faithful. Faith will only work when the thing you are putting it in is faithful. Now friends, all of this has lots of implications for us as Christians because you may have noticed that faith is very and very important part of Christianity. When you read through the Bible, faith is talked about a lot. When the Apostle Paul writes to churches, it's always their faith that he rejoices in and gives thanks to God for. It's always their faith that he wants them to persist in and nourish and protect. It's always their faith that he wants them to press on in. Even last week, didn't we, we thought about the fact that uh, on his deathbed virtually, the Apostle Paul speaks of having kept the faith. Faith is a very important part of being a Christian. Our faith means a lot to God. And so today, this morning, I just thought we'd spend a little bit of time thinking about faith. And in particular, thinking about what exactly do we mean by the word, what is faith? And secondly, we need to get straight in our minds exactly what it is that we as Christians are meant to have our faith in. Because remember my lawn mowing experiences, to have faith in the wrong thing, that will only ever let set you up for disappointment. So what is Christian faith? What are we meant to have faith in? There are two questions for the day. And the two answers really both come out of Romans chapter 4 and verse 21 in particular. When it comes to faith, that one verse pretty much is the bedrock foundation upon which everything else is built. It won't tell us everything there is to say about faith, but it will certainly tell us enough to give us some great comfort this morning. Chapter 4, verse 21. And look, the context of the verse is, as you would have noticed while, uh, while it was being read, that Paul is talking about Abraham's faith in the Old Testament. Now, this is a faith which Abraham showed when God promised him that he would be the father of a great nation. Now, you see, at the time when God said that to Abraham, that was a remarkable promise to have made. Abraham was an old man. Uh, his elderly wife, Sarah, has never fallen pregnant before. Uh, you might have heard it uh, that he's re- in the chapter he's actually referred to as as good as dead. And yet, when God promised Abraham that he'd have lots of descendants... Despite being sceptical, the Old Testament tells us that Abraham believed God. Abraham had faith 
in God. And you see, in Romans chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is arguing that that faith that Abraham showed is very much representative of the sort of faith we all should have. He is the great father of faith, as it were, and we should be like him. And it's in that context, I want you to notice how the Apostle Paul describes, how he defines Abraham's faith. Verse 21, Abraham's faith was being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Now, friends, that is a very, very helpful verse for explaining to us what Christian faith is and what it is we are putting our faith in. Firstly, what is Christian faith? Well, the very first phrase tells us it is the act of being fully persuaded which might I suggest could be a bit of a surprise to some of us. Because think about that phrase, being fully persuaded. What does that imply to you? Because it implies to me that there's been some sort of uh, evidence that's been seen. To be fully persuaded implies that there's been some sort of argument that's been put forward, that there's been facts that have been reasoned through and assessed. It's like the way we might talk about uh, a court case where the jury becomes fully persuaded when they've heard all the witnesses and they've examined all the evidence and they reach a verdict on a reasoned decision. But I'm not sure everyone thinks about faith in those categories. For a lot of people, faith is something you believe in when there is no evidence. Often people use the word faith to imply something that's just a leap in the dark. You believe in it, not because there's really evidence for it, but you just want to believe it. It's a nice idea. That is not Christian faith. Christian faith is being fully persuaded of something. It's actually looking at facts, looking at evidence, and coming up with a reasoned conviction. Now, in Abraham's case, that conviction came because of some first-hand experiences he'd had of God. Because as well as God promising that he'd have lots of descendants, God had also promised Abraham that he'd be blessed and that he'd be prosperous. And Abraham had seen that happen. Everything the guy touched turned to gold. There were certain times when he and his family were miraculously rescued from from really quite powerful enemies. And so you see, when God then turned around and said, well, Abraham, you're also going to be the father of a great nation, Abraham believed him. Not because Abraham put his brain into neutral, not because Abraham thought, well, that's a nice idea. I'd like to believe that. No, no, he was fully persuaded because he'd already seen God in action and he knew what he was capable of. Now, friends, that faith, that idea of full persuasion, that's not just Abraham. That is representative of the sort of faith we all should have, a conviction of things that we have been persuaded about. For example, just listen to me read the opening few words of Luke's Gospel. Just have a listen to the words that are used. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled amongst you, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you too may know the certainty of things you have been taught. Now Luke is there writing to a bloke called Theophilus and he's telling him about Jesus and did you notice the sort of words that he used? 
eyewitness, carefully investigated, orderly account, that yet that you may know the certainty of things that have been taught. And you see what's happening? Luke wants Theophilus to be fully persuaded. He doesn't want Theophilus to check his brain at the door and to simply believe something because it's a nice idea. He wants him to be actually convinced of it. Across in Acts chapter 26, the Apostle Paul, he's on trial before a, a Roman governor called Festus. And Paul says to him, I'm not, a, I'm not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying to you is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things. I can talk freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it hasn't been done in a corner. Again, you see, Christianity is about what is true and reasonable. It's about historical events which happened in full sight of people, events for which there are eyewitnesses, which are open to scrutiny, which can be fully investigated. Where's all this going? Look, I don't want you to be ever intimidated by people who want to make out that you're dumb for being a Christian, that somehow Christianity has no reasonable basis for it and that a Christian faith is just sort of some simply stupid leap in the dark about an idea that you just like the sound of. That is not Christian faith at all. Faith is about being persuaded of something. But if that's what it is, what are we meant to have faith in? Well, we've just got to keep reading that verse in Romans 4. For our faith, like Abraham's, is being fully persuaded that God has power to do what he has promised. Two important things to notice in the rest of the verse there. The first one is that faith is all about being confident in what God can do. See, in one sense, Christian faith is not about us. It's actually about God. And that's a really important lesson. It's actually a really comforting lesson. Because remember what happened with my lawnmower experience. Faith only works when the thing you've got your faith in is faithful. And so if you walk into an elevator, into a lift, it doesn't matter how nervously you press the button to go to the 10th floor, or it doesn't matter how confidently you bang the button to go to the 10th floor. If the lift is reliable, it'll take you there either way. Because it's the thing that you're putting your trust in that matters the most. Well, see, as Christians, we put our trust in an incredibly reliable God, a God for whom nothing is impossible. I mean, think about it. The reason why you and I are often untrustworthy and unreliable, it's because we can't control everything. I mean, just putting aside those times when we are willfully unfaithful, just putting aside sin for the moment, our problem is that we can't control everything. And so we might promise things with every good intention. Yeah, I'll pick you up, but then the car breaks down and you don't get to the appointment as you promised. Or work piles up and you don't get home at the time that you promised you'd get there. And sometimes we make very well-meaning promises to help someone, but we just get so busy and our, and our minds get so flustered by all this stuff that's coming in that we just forget and we don't do what we said. Now, friends, none of that ever happens with God. He is the creator and the sustainer of everything, which means that there's nothing that is ever going to fluster him, there's nothing that's ever going to surprise him or beyond his control, and so he is always faithful. You actually see it in the Psalms quite a lot. 
the Psalms are often linking God's power with his faithfulness. Just listen to these couple of verses from Psalm 146. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. Did you get the connection? God, God can do anything. He made everything, the heavens, the seas, the earth. Nothing can stop him doing what he wants and therefore he will always be able to do what he wants. He will always be faithful forever. He will always be able to do what he says. What he says. Which brings us back to the last phrase of that verse in Romans 4. God has the power to do what he has promised. And I just want to linger on that one for a moment because, again, I'm wondering whether there's a degree of confusion over that in some circles because nowadays many Christians act as if faith is simply having confidence in anything, as if faith is just another way of having wishful thinking in whatever you want to happen, that faith is sort of the power of positive thinking. And so people will say, you're sick. Have faith, you'll get better. Your job's going badly. Well, have faith. It'll improve. Marriage, hard work. Have faith. It'll be all right. As if anything you want to happen will happen. If you have enough, any even harebrained scheme you come up with, just have enough faith, it'll come off. The other side of that, it's often suggested that sometimes things don't happen the way we want because we didn't have enough faith. I know of a single Christian girl who was told that the reason she was single was because she lacked enough faith to, have a, to get a partner. People I know who have got chronic back problems have been told that the only reason their back's not better is because they've got a lack of faith. Friends, that is foolishness. And that is not the way the Bible talks about faith at all. Biblical faith is not having a confidence about anything. It's about having a confidence in the things God promises. Abraham only had faith in being the father of a great nation because that's what God promised him. And if God hasn't promised it, there's no basis for being confident about it. Now, friends, of course for us, the most wonderful promise that God has made to us is the forgiveness and the new life through the death and that we have through the death and resurrection of Jesus, which is exactly what Paul goes on to say towards the end of the chapter, where he says uh, in verse 25, the words that was credited to him, that's Abraham, were written not for him alone, but also for us, for you and I, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe, believe what? Who, what? In him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. See, the great content of the promises that God has made to us, the really central, most important one, is that we have forgiveness and new life in Christ. But friends, even putting that great thing aside, this morning I just want you to simply appreciate the broader truth that biblical faith is a faith like Abraham's. It's having confidence in things that God has said. And even that broad truth in itself, that's enough to luxuriate in. Because remember my lawnmower experiences? Having faith in the wrong thing will lead you to a world of pain. But when you've got faith in the right things, a faithful God, when you're persuaded that God has the power to do what he said, that will actually lead you to a life of stability 
and meaning and really deep joy in no matter what. Some time ago we had a family outing to Victoria Parky and while we were there I noticed a little boy arrive with a woman who was fairly obviously his mother. They spread their blanket out on the ground and uh, sat down near the playground. But the little boy wouldn't actually go over and play. There were lots of other children over there and he seemed to be a little bit daunted about going over there. He looked about three years old. And at first he just sat there next to his mum on the blanket looking at all the other kids playing and having a good time. And then he stood up for a while on the edge of the blanket but still with one hand on his mum's shoulder looking at all the other kids playing. And then he walked away a little and stood about halfway between his mum and the playground and then he ran back and gave his mum a cuddle. And then after a while he eventually made it all the way over to the playground, went down one slippery dip and then sprinted back to his mum for another hug. It wasn't long after that that uh, he was right into it, playing with all the other kids, running around, climbing over everything. But every now and then the little guy would still run back to his mum for a cuddle. And then he'd run off and get into things again. As if he just wanted that assurance that there was somewhere that was safe, that there was somewhere that was secure. And then with that knowledge, he'd be off into it again. I don't think we ever grow out of that sort of thing. Not necessarily with our mums, but there's always somewhere in our life that we need to feel safe. There's always somewhere in our life that we need to have something that we reckon is secure that will give us a security and a safety. The issue is, where is that for you? Where are you going to for your security? Where are you looking to to feel sort of safe and to define who you are? Now, many of us look to our friendships. Many of us look to our relationships. It's our marriages that perhaps make us feel secure. Or maybe our family life and our children that make us feel safe. Some of us look to our careers. Some of us look to things that we're good at. Maybe our musical prowess or our sporting ability. Maybe for some of us it's, it's just physical good looks. And so we cling on to a whole range of things like that and just like that little boy hugging his mum, we hug onto these or maybe several of those things and they're the things that we feel safe in. That's where we draw our security. They're the things that make us feel special and give us our identity and the security with which we need to get out and face life. Problem is, all those things I've mentioned, they are incredibly fickle. They are beyond control. What happens if your marriage partner doesn't love you very well at all? Where's your security then? What happens if your friend's don't treat you well and take advantage of you. Where's your security then? What happens if your your mum and dad walk out on the family? Where's your security then? What happens if your children don't grow up to be the sort of people that you even like? Where's your security then? What happens when your career takes a nosedive and you might even not have a job at all? What happens if you have an accident And you can't play music anymore. And you can't play sport anymore. What happens when you just get old? And you can't do the things you used to? And you don't look like the way you used to? 
Where's your security then? See, if you have invested your safety and your sort of self-worth and your identity into those other sorts of things, if that's where you're looking to to define yourself, well, just remember my experiences with the Lorma. Life will get very, very difficult because when you put your trust on things that are untrustworthy, you're opening up yourself for a world of pain. But if we centre our lives around a reliable and an all-powerful God, that is a different story. Because being persuaded that God can do what he said he would do, having a faith in a faithful God, building a life on that foundation, friends, that not only makes sense, that will give you the anchor and the firm stability and foundation that we need to get through this life. What is faith? It's being fully persuaded that God has power to do what he said. And that is a firm anchor. I'll pray.